Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. Amen. John chapter 2, verse 1. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, and after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. These were big uh, vessels, not typically used for the holding of the wine. They were used for the washing, the purifying, holding water. Somebody say amen. Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, every man at the beginning do set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed on him. Amen. I want to focus your attention this morning on verse 5. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Elbow your neighbor and say, do it. Turn around, high five three or four people and tell them, do it. Amen. See, you thought you thought Nike coined that phrase. But they got that from the Bible. Just do it. Come on, elbow elbow your neighbor and say, just do it. Quit thinking about it. Quit talking about it. Come on, quit mulling it over in your mind. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Amen. Why don't you lay your Bibles down this morning and lift your hands unto the Lord. Just begin to pray to him right now. God, we need you today, Lord. Let our hearts be open, God. Lord, give us an understanding heart this morning, God, that we can see and we can hear and we can understand what thus saith the Lord this morning, God. I pray your anointing would rest upon your people today and it would rest upon your messenger today. 
and all that's said and done throughout the rest of this service would be to your glory and under the direction of the Holy Ghost. And we'll give you all the praise and all the honor and all of the glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Clap your hands one more time. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is so good to us. Amen. We're here this morning because each of us have in some way or another uh, been impacted by the Lord. Uh, in some way uh, or another, there's a working of God in our lives. My Bible tells me that, that no man cometh unto the Father except the Spirit draws him. No man comes, comes to God in and of himself without the working of God. Somebody say amen. I believe that, that, that it is the mercy of God that reaches for us and pulls us to himself. Amen. It is the, it is the plan and the purpose of God through his mercy to reach us and draw us to him. Amen. Some of us, we got up this morning. We, we, got, we got a shower, some of us. Elbow your neighbor and tell him, you better shower before you come to church. It's getting a little bit tight in here. Come on. Don't exactly have elbow room, amen. We're not exactly out of, in a scent-free zone, so you better be showering before you come to church. Preaching already. Amen. We got duded up. We got dressed up. Some of us, we, we, we did our part to, to, to be looking our best to come to the house of the Lord. Amen. And some of us thought, well, I, I'm doing that in and of myself. I'm going to, I'm going to go to church this morning because that's what I want to do. Amen. Uh, it takes God's will lining up with our will or our will lining up. Let me re-say that. Our will lining up with God's will for God's will to be done in our lives. Amen. The fact that he was drawing you and the fact that you're responding to what the Lord would have you do. Amen. It could be a simple thing like getting up and going to church. Come on. Being obedient and gathering together with the body of Christ, which is a biblical concept. 
Amen. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the evil day approaching. Amen. The closer we get to the culmination of all things, we need to gather more. Amen. We don't need to gather less. We don't need to have less church or less prayer meetings. We need to gather more. Amen. But the fact that your will this morning, that you turned it over to God and you said, you know what? i don't necessarily feel like going to church. I, I maybe don't really feel like I have the strength to go, but I'm going to go because I know that that's God's will for my life. How many know that's a start? Amen. And I, I, I commend you this morning for being in the house of the Lord. I thank you for your faithfulness to the house of God. If it's not for our desire to fulfill God's will in our life, God can never do in us what he wants to do. Amen. There is a desire, there's a plan, there's a purpose that God has for each and every one of us. Amen. It doesn't necessarily line up with what we want for our own lives. Amen. It may not even sometimes make sense for the path that we want to go or make sense that, that it's going to fulfill the will of God in our lives. Amen. But we cannot, as the children of God, reserve the right to question or to challenge the word of God for our lives. Amen. I don't have a right, amen, as a child of God to question God's will for my life. If I reserve the right to question God's word for my life, then I'm setting myself up for a, a path of unbelief, a path of failure, a path of doing it my own way. And I, I know this morning there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. Come on. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Every man's ways are right in his own eyes. But it's God that tries the spirit. I want to tell you this morning, amen, you may have a desire to do it your own way. But let me just tell you this morning that that path will lead you to heartache, to sorrow, to pain, to destruction, and ultimately death. Amen. But there is a plan that's working. Come on, there is a path that God is trying to enlighten you to. Come on, there is a lamp that's shining in the darkness that's trying to make a way for your feet to travel. Come on, there is a word of God that's going before you and speaking to you and pulling on you to try to get you to do it his way. But until you yield your heart to do it God's way, you will never find the purpose of God in your life. Somebody say amen. The process of God. We say the process. It's the same for everybody. Amen. Before you can get on the path, you have to have a an understanding that. And Matt, Matt's, brother Matt said this in our leadership meeting this morning, but I already had it written on paper. The Bible is the ultimate authority. The Bible is the final authority. If you don't have a revelation that the Bible is the word of God and that it is, it is the inerrant word of God, unadulterated word of God, amen, that it is the word of God for our lives and it is the way that men should live in the earth. Come on. Uh, somebody said the Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. I don't know, but I know that the Bible is God's plan for mankind. 
Come on. you got to have a revelation that you're going to draw from that which comes from God. Amen. When it comes to develop your developing your character or developing your th- thought process or what you think about this or that, you need to consult the final authority. And then when God gives you his word on what he believes on that thing, we have to adopt the belief systems of the Bible. Amen. I don't have the right to question God's word. If God's word says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Amen. Every conflict it comes into with my way of thinking, I got to humble myself before God, and I got to let his word be the ultimate and final authority on that subject. The process of God working in our lives, we yield ourselves to him. He speaks his word to us, and we do it. And when we do the word of God, it produces fruit in our lives. Somebody say amen. The word of God is his his plan for our lives. God's word is the revelation of God becoming a man and revealing his love and purpose for our lives. God's word is alive. Somebody say it's alive. It is God-breathed. It is inspired by God. That means it is God-breathed. That means when the words of God came forth, they were breathed out with his breath of life. The words came forth from the breath of God, therefore having in itself the life of God. Amen. It has the breath of God, which is the spirit of God, and it has the life of God within the word. Amen. He said the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Come on. It has the ability to change the very heart of mankind. We talked last week about the heart. If if the heart's not right, nothing else matters because everything flows forth from the heart. And in the heart is ultimately who we are. And the only thing that can change the heart is God's word. The only thing that can change the heart of mankind is God's word. Somebody say amen. It's the word of God. Amen. It is the process of God's word becoming who we are. Somebody say amen. You know, for many years I've talked about you need to quit doing this. You need to quit doing that. Amen. Ultimately, it's our decision. Amen. But people can't adopt a behavior if it's not in their heart. Amen. It doesn't matter what you change if the heart's not changed. It doesn't matter what behavior pattern you try to adopt and do within yourself. I'm not going to do that, and I'm going to do this. Yes, that's a start. Amen. But we need God's word on it. Amen. So if there's something that you're struggling with, you need to go to God's word and you need to say, God, what do you feel about this? What do you think about this? Why don't you teach me your way? Show me your ways. Come on, teach me to walk in your ways. And as you begin to get God's word on it, it'll do something on the inside. It'll put a conviction in your spirit based on what God's authority has said about it. And it will give you power to change your behavior. Come on, somebody. In order to change it, it's got to change in the heart. Somebody say, in the heart. And it becomes you and you become it. It's second nature. It just flows from you. Amen. It's not about what you do. It's who you are. 
out. It's got to become who you are. Amen. The word of God is the key. The words of the Bible came forth from the breath of God, therefore having in itself the life of God. Holy men of God, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, they wrote, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way to God is through the word of God that was made flesh and that's Jesus Christ. The only way to God is through the avenue that he created to get to us and that is Jesus Christ our Lord. How many know that he was made flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. Amen. He is the author and he's the finisher of our faith. He's the originator. Come on. It came from him. The whole plan came from him. Come on, somebody. The plan of salvation, the plan of redemption, the plan to bring healing and deliverance to our lives, it came from him. He wrote the story. Not only did he write the story, but he walked it out on the earth. Come on. He walked it out. He was grace and he was truth. He was the life of God made manifest to the world. Amen. He was made in the image of God. Come on. He was made in the very image of God, the, the invisible God. Amen. And he was the express. How many know the Bible says he was the express image of the invisible God. He was the outward expression of who God is, how God thinks, and how God feels about us. Come on. And he walked it out on the earth. Ultimately, he lived it out step by step on the earth. The plan and the purpose of God. Somebody say, that's the process. Jesus humbled himself. Became obedient. Come on. What's obedience? Doing what you're told. It's following the command, right? If you have a dog, how frustrating is this? You have a dog, and you're like, come here. He just stands there and looks at you. All right, Joker. Come here. Every step you take towards it, it takes two steps away from you. And you're like, you ever try to run down a dog? Not going to happen for me. Amen. You try to run down a dog that don't want to be caught? Amen. That's why we buy shock collars. Anybody ever put a shock collar on their dog? If you did, if you have, raise your hand. Now be honest. 
If you put a shock collar on your dog, raise your hand. Okay. You're doubly responsible this morning. Okay? Because what is the quickest way to teach that dog obedience? Or to respond to your voice. when, Because your voice matters. You are the master of that dog. Right? That dog's welfare and well-being is in them listening to your voice. It's not necessarily that that you want to hurt them. You're not going to hurt them. You love that dog. You, you want them to come to you. You want them to be obedient because they need to respond to your voice. If they don't respond to your voice and they run the opposite direction, then they're open to anything and everything. The danger around them, right? But you want them to respond to your voice because you want to protect them. And so you understand that in them not responding to your voice, you have no control over them. In fact, if you have no control over them, they are not yours. They don't belong to you. If you don't have, if they don't respond when you say something, they have no respect for you. They don't think that you're above them. That they can make that decision in and of themselves to do whatever they want. I'm preaching. Amen. And so you got to teach them a lesson. I'll show you. Not come when I call. Because they'll come at feeding time. I want everybody to come to our Thanksgiving dinners. That's when everybody shows up. Come on, somebody. They'll come a feeding time. Come on. They'll come when you're going to give something to them or give something that, that they want. They'll come. They, they, they know that you got their food. They, they know that you got their, their, their safety. They know that, that you, you're going to open the door when they want to come in at night. When you, they want to come in out of the cold. When they don't like what they're going through, they'll come in. Amen. And so when they come in, you're like, okay, I got you now. Now you're trapped. Let me just put something on you that'll teach you a little bit of obedience. And so you put that shot collar on them. And, and you start out light. Right? You just don't put it on the highest setting. You start out light. You don't want to necessarily hurt them, but you want them to feel. Feelings are important. You need to feel. Amen. You need to feel because it's with the feelings of our infirmity that God feels our pain, that God feels our suffering. It's through the feeling that he touches us. It's through the, our feelings that he touches us and ministers to the needs of our spirit, our body, our minds. Come on. It's what we need. It's our feeling. And so uh, you send that dog back out. You put, it, you put it on the low setting and you send it back out. And when you call for it and it don't come, you hit that button in the hopes that they're going to feel that. And even though they may not respect your word, 
when they feel that pain, they know who to run to. Come on, because he's the author and he's the finisher. And when they feel that pain, they run to you. But the low setting might not be enough. And so you say, come. And, they, and you hit that button, they don't come. You hit that button and they still don't respond. I'll get you tonight. Because he's going to come eventually. Amen. When he comes back, I'm going to turn that dude up a little bit. Come on, because he needs to feel my words. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? He needs to feel the impact of my words. There's got to be a respect and a reverence and an honor for the words that are coming from God or the final authority. Come on, if you don't want to respond, yeah, just, just keep not responding because at some point there's going to be something loosed in your life that's going to cause and dictate a response. You will respond because God cares about you. God loves you with an everlasting love. Some of us have calloused ourselves against the pain and we try to medicate ourselves with other things, but understand that you don't want that to get to the highest setting. Bear, have ever had to use the highest setting for your dog? Amen. He said he's got a big dog. Amen. You hit that button and they feel that pain and they're like, oh Lord, master, 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 master. Oh Lord, I got to get to church. Come on, I got to get to the house of God. I don't understand what I'm going through or what I'm feeling. What he's trying to get you to understand that when he calls... There's got to be a response. There's got to be a response. Amen. Some of us don't really know what to do with the pain. Amen. Some of us, when we feel the pain, we hide from it. One time we had a dog by the name of Bear. That's a good, good name for a dog. You ever had a dog named Bear? See, Bear had a problem, a major problem. He didn't see it as a problem, but we saw it as a problem. We tried to train it out of him. He didn't take it. He liked to chase cars. That was his favorite pastime. It didn't matter if it was a semi or a little Volkswagen bug. He's chasing it. He would sit on the side of the road. We'd tie him up for weeks. See? Every time he'd chase one, tie him up. He'd still chase it. You know, let him loose. Chasing cars. Well, one day, uh, his car chasing days almost came to an end. He was chasing a car. And they turned up toward Coshocton go up 83 he got under the tire of that thing and it was just a little pinto you ever see a pinto the back wheel of that thing he like wrapped around the back wheel of that thing and that car went ran right over top we watched it happen I was like oh, oh no he come running back well 
sort of come running back and crawled up under the house. He got in the darkest place he could get in to hide. Didn't he? Am I telling the truth? So we go to our dad. He's sitting right back here. Amen. Dad! What are we going to do? Bears up under the house, got hit by a car. We think he's going to die. We didn't know the extent of his injuries. All we knew that he was hurt, right? And we would try to get up under there, and he would growl at us. And so we're like, Dad, what are we going to do? He's like, I'll handle it. So he went in on the porch after Bear. And I can still remember, Mike, I can still remember sitting there, kneeling on my knees and watching as my dad approached this dog. And he's laying there and he's got blood running off of his paw. And he can't hardly even lift it. He's just laying there in pain, crying. But as my dad got close, he began to growl. Now I'm talking peak growl. You know, there's a, there's a little growl, but then there's a growl that comes from the belly. You ever heard that growl from a dog? It's an eerie kind of sound. It sends chills down your spine. You're like, oh, glory. <laughs> right? And the courage of my dad, I was he was my hero because he had the courage even though the growl was so deep that we just knew he was going to try to bite him. And the closer he got, the madder the dog got. As he was crawling, he's like, now bear, now bear. And he'd go a little bit further. Now, now bear, I'm here to help you. Now bear, right? He got a little closer. He got close enough to touch him. He started just petting him on the back. Bear, I'm just here to help. growl turned to a whimper. Amen. And my mom's sitting there praying in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Lord Jesus, don't let him bite bud. Amen. See, he had, he had the goods to patch up his wounds. Man, it wasn't necessarily his will for him, him to feel the pain. You try to teach it out of him, but sometimes teaching it out of him don't do the trick. Come on, sometimes. Sometimes you got to feel that pain so you understand. Man, when God's calling for me, he's not trying to hurt me. He's trying to prevent something worse from happening to me. Come on, the, if the worst thing that ever God ever does from to you is remove some of your evil ways. Come on, think about it. If the worst thing that he ever does to you is send you a word to try to save you out of the trouble that you're walking headlong into, come on, and the pain and the suffering that you're going to have to endure if you don't listen to the word of God. There's got to be a point in your life where you realize he's got your best interest at heart. He's not trying to hurt you, harm you. He's trying to help you. 
Some of us are in pain and we're, we're fighting against the, the, the hand of God in our life. Where we keep kicking against it and hiding from it and running from it, not realizing that he's got the healing salve that you need. Come on, the touch of his spirit and the covering of his love will heal you on the inside. I know that you've experienced some heartache and some woe and some sorrow. And I know there's some things that happen that's brought damage to your life. But you need to quit hiding from the Lord. Quit biting the hand that's trying to bring healing to your heart. Man, I watched as we watched as my dad began to pour peroxide on that those wounds and, and clean those wounds off. And I watched as that, that mean dog all of a sudden began to be humble and laid his head, head down begin to allow the hand of the master to bind up his wounds to heal what you walked into and what you allowed the training didn't take come on the word didn't take but now he's experiencing some pain that he realizes that's what that causes Amen. And we begin to get some knowledge about life and realize that the things that God is trying to keep us from are the things that will harm us and hurt us and ultimately kill us. Amen. God, I just want to tell somebody this morning, God loves you. Amen. If he didn't love you, he'd quit speaking to you. But the fact that he gave me a message about restoration and healing this morning is just a, a, an indication that he wants you to know that regardless if you're running from him, walking away from him, not allowing him to touch you, that he still loves you and he's still pulling on you and he still has a plan for your life. Clap your hands to the Lord. He knows exactly, he knows exactly what you need. He has it in his hands. He knows exactly what you're in need of. He is the author and he's the finisher. Not only did the story originate with him, but the endings with him too. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Come on. Thoughts of peace. Good thoughts. Amen. To give you an expected end. Come on. And in another translation, it says to give you a hope and a future. Amen. To know where you're going to end up at. Come on, it's not the will of God for us to be in question and not knowing where we're going or what we're doing. It's his, it's his will for him to order our steps daily and to plan our path out and to walk the eternal path that he has planned out since the moment that we were born. Amen. Is there anybody in the building this morning that wants to do the word of God in your life? Clap your hands to the Lord if you do. James. Go to James chapter 2, or chapter 1 and verse 20. I want you to put it on the board this morning so everybody can see this. Is everybody okay? If you're okay, say amen. 
The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. What's on the inside of us don't have the ability to do the righteousness of God or, or live the right way. Because righteousness, to be righteous is right way of living. Okay? So what's in us naturally, we don't have the ability to live righteously within ourselves. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. It's in you. It's time to lay it aside. And receive with meekness. What's meekness? Humbleness. You lower yourself to the engrafted word. which is able to save your souls. It's through the word of God that saves us. Keep going. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man, somebody say this man, shall be blessed in his deeds. Okay, so he says it's like a natural man beholding his natural face in a glass, in a mirror, where he beholds himself. Okay, when you, when, when you begin to read the word of God and the concepts and the principles of the word, it's like seeing yourself in the mirror. Man, has anybody ever read some scriptures and you're like, man, he's talking about me. Amen. If you've never read the Bible and had that happen, just read it a little bit. Amen. Because it comes into conflict with who, who you are within yourself. Amen. And it has the able to it has the ability to heal that behavior. And so as you're as you're beholding it in, in, the, in the glass, you're looking in the perfect law of liberty. Amen. And you begin to see yourself and who you are. It begins to discern your thoughts. Your thought process, your wrongdoings, your behavior. Come on, some, it begins to, to come into conflict with your lifestyle. Let me tell you something. It's not God's place to change. God don't change. He's the same yesterday, and today, and forever. He said, I am the Lord. I change not. Amen. We are the changeable creatures. Amen. We're, in, we're to come into alignment with the word of God. And so it pricks our heart when we see, man, that's me. That's who I am. Something has to change. My behavior in that area changes. Amen. Have you ever went to Walmart and you see people in their pajamas? You see all kinds of stuff in Walmart. You're like, they're, they got bedhead. 
they got their shirt on inside out. And you're like, your family must not love you. Because they let you out of the house like that. Thank God for my wife. Getting ready to leave. Josh, are you really going to wear that? No. Because once you think about it, you're like, yeah, that's probably not good. Right? Obviously, the dude didn't look in the mirror. If he'd have I'm not preaching to anybody. I believe y'all looked in the mirror this morning. Probably too long. Oh, look at the handsome devil. Is that you, Zach? <laughs> he said, oh, yeah. <laughs> Make sure my hair's right. <laughs> That's great. And you're like, man, did you even look in the mirror? Before you leave the house, look in the mirror and question yourself. If he looked in the, look in the mirror and are like, oh, yeah, it's a little rough. Then they leave the mirror and they forget about what they look like. The moment that you forget about what you look like, there's no reason to change anything. Right? Because the impact of how you looked in the mirror is gone. Come on, somebody. The, 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 the opportunity to change happens when God is speaking to your spirit through his word and revealing to you what you look like in the mirror of his word. And when you see it and you're pricked in your heart, that's the opportunity for you to change that thing. Come on. That's the opportunity for you to go to the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry. Amen. I repent of that. I didn't even know I was like that. I'm sorry that that's in my heart. Thank you for revealing that to me and healing that part of my life. God, help me to be better than that. Amen. And when the opportunity for that thing to live through your life comes back up, you're like, no, 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 no. Amen. I'm healed of that. I'm not that person anymore. I have fixed my bedhead. Come on. I have changed my outfit. Amen. I saw what I looked like and I look ridiculous. Come on. We can see it when we're at church on Sunday. We can see our sin. We can see the, the error of our own hearts and the error of our thought process. But if there, there's not a reaction in the moment, in the moment of when God pricks your heart and pulls you to an altar of repentance, if you fight that off, fight through that and resist the call of the master, there will be a moment in time when that thing that, that, thing that you allowed to live in your life will bring destruction destruction and pain to your world. Amen. You go with and you forget. As soon as you step out of the church, how many have been there? As soon as you step out of the church, you didn't respond to that thing, you get in the car and you forget about that, that the Spirit of the Lord dealing with you about that thing. It's stolen from you. In fact, the Bible says that sometimes the seed is sown and the, 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 if it don't get rooted down into the heart, if it don't get pushed down under the surface, if it just lays on top, amen, if it doesn't have a, a good enough impact to where it's pushed down into the heart, it lays on the surface and the birds of the air, they come and they'll steal that seed. 
Amen. That, that, that's a concept of Scripture. Somebody say, do it when God's saying do it. Amen. Whatever he's saying unto you, do it. Whatever he's saying, respond to it. If he's pulling up a behavior, respond to it. Come on. Uh, respond in repentance unto God and let God do what he has purposed to do. Somebody say amen. Allow God. Respond to the voice. His, his word goes forth. He's asking you to do something that you don't necessarily understand in the moment. In fact, it may be some years down the road before you truly understand why. Why he said not do that why he said not do this. But we have to resolve to the fact that he knows more than we do. Amen. You know, you know that the dog that, that you call uh, and you ever see him after you've been through the training process with him? You'll call him and they'll hesitate for a minute. saying they've been through the training process they don't truly understand why they just know the voice of the master come on they just know that if he's calling me <clears throat> I gotta go if he's pulling on me I gotta go amen I may not want to come on this is this is this is the conflict I may not want to, but I understand that if I don't, there's something in my future that's going to hurt. That's why he said, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor grown weary of his rebuke. For whom the Lord loves... He chastens. He rebukes and he chastens. And he scourges every son that he receives. Okay? What does the word ch chasten mean? Look it up. It means beating. Oh, goodness gracious. Have you ever gotten any beatings? Anybody ever deserve any beatings? Let me just be the first one to answer that. I'm going to tell you, I'm thankful that I had parents that believed in spanking. Because I don't think I would have got it, Sister Debbie. I, I probably, I, I would have made a lot worse decisions than I made, but it was a little bit of fear of authority. Come on, an authority in my life that taught me to be obedient to some extent. And then I learned the, le I, I learned the rest of it, yeah. After dad gave you a couple, after he gave you a couple, you're like, I don't want any more of them. 
it should change our behavior. Right? There's, a, there's things that should change our behavior. It should change our thought process. Because who the Lord loves, he don't just let you do whatever you want to do, especially things that are going to harm you. He corrects you. Amen. And if you humble yourself under the correction of the Lord, don't grow weary of him rebuking you or chastening you because the fact that he's doing that is, a gra- is means that he loves you. It means that he has a plan for your life. He's just not going to let you go and leave you to yourself. Uh, there, there's, there's people that have told me, I don't even feel bad when I sin. I don't feel bad when I do that. I don't feel, man, I'm sorry. I want to feel bad. That's the only way that I can be saved. Come on. If I feel the effects of what I'm doing wrong, and when God allows you to feel the effects of the wrong, come on, you'll feel it in your spirit. Come on. You'll feel lost in your spirit. You'll feel separated from God. Amen. It's almost like a block comes up. It's not that he's left you, but he wants you to feel like he's left you. Because then you can understand, oh, no, I'm in a bad place. I need to get back to where I was at. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I want to—I don't want to ever grow weary of the Lord rebuking me and chasing, chastening me and trying to get me lined out and get me on the right path. We have to understand that's God's way. Amen. He's going to send a word to you to help you. And it's your responsibility to obey the word and to do the word. And it will bring forth the fruit of righteousness in your life. It'll bring healing to your mind, healing to your spirit, and healing to your body. would say that's how you're going to be saved whatever he tells you to do somebody say do it do you have a few more minutes you have a few more minutes I'll quit if you want me to there's a story in in the book of John chapter 9 there's a guy that is is uh, laying outside the temple and he's blind the Bible says that he was blind from birth okay so as they're walking by the disciples and Jesus and, and the disciples look at Jesus and they say who sinned that this man was born was it his mother, father, or was it him? Now, how can a baby sin? It's a really ridiculous question. Okay. That, that this man was born blind. What did somebody do to cause this? Right? Okay. Basically saying it's their own fault that he ended up this way. You know, there's a lot of times things happen in our lives that aren't necessarily our Jesus said, nobody sinned that this man should be born blind, but that the glory of God will be revealed in his life. It's the glory of God that fixes things. Come on. And so he goes to the guy. The Bible says he spat on the ground. see what's going on and you hear somebody right next to you 
you know, he's sitting right here, and Jesus kneels down. He's like, and he starts mixing it in with the clay on the ground. Read it. And he takes it, and he smears it on the guy's eyes. And now he feels something wet. He's like, This message, Hawker Everybody on Facebook would have watched it. <laughs> rubs it in the ground, rubs it on his eyes. The guy's like, Now what? Now I got Hawker ointment on my face. tells the guy, go and wash in the pool of saloon. So imagine this guy. What should I do? Because he anointed his eyes and he told him to go and wash. Now the pool of Siloam, if you look it up, about the place where Jesus would have touched a guy, is like a thousand yards from there to the pool of Siloam. Okay, he's blind. All right. None of, if you've never been blind or had an episode with your seeing, you don't know what that feels like. Okay, you don't have somebody guiding you. But so for me or you to get to the pool of Siloam, a thousand yards, and, and it was the days of the feast, it was a Sabbath day, so uh, all these people are in the streets of Jerusalem. It's not like that he had a clear path to the pool of Siloam. Amen. Yeah, no doubt he'd probably been there before because they bathed in the pool. But for him to navigate himself from where he was at to where the pool was at would have taken some effort. Amen. He might have stumbled his way to the pool. Come on. He might have crawled part way. It was a big thing for him to get from where he was at to where the miracle was. Come on. But the miracle was at the pool of Siloam. Amen. He, he, he had already had the miracle on his face. Come on. He had already anointed his eyes with the clay. Amen. And he told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. It wasn't Jesus' responsibility to get him. It was his responsibility. I know what you're going through. I know what you're facing. I know what you're up against. I know it's a struggle. Come on. I know that it's going to be hard for you to get where you're at to where you're supposed to be. I know that's the case. But do you want it bad enough? Is there anything in you that wants the miracle of God in your life? Is it regardless, I don't understand how the clay, I don't think the clay had anything to do with it. I think it was just God doing something in his life that he didn't understand. And in order for him to do the word of God, he had to exercise faith 
in what God told him to do, not in his own way of thinking. It's not in my own way of thinking that's going to bring healing to my life. But whatsoever he saith unto me, do it. Come on. The miracle was already on his life. It was already spoken. God said he was going to do it. He already said he was going to do it. It was up to the guy to get from where he was at to the pool. I don't care how you got to get there. I don't care how long it takes you. But once you get where God is calling you to, there will be something happening. It causes you to see things in a different way. Somebody say, man, clap your hands to the Lord. He is worthy. Amen. When he got to the pool, he washed. And I can, I can see as, as he's walking to the pool, stumbling to the pool. Trying, trying to find his way to the pool. Oh, sir, 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 can you help me? Can, am I heading in the right direction to get to the pool? He said, yeah. Amen. If you're heading in the right direction to get to the pool, you keep going that direction. Come on. I believe at some point there was probably a desire to turn back to the place where he was comfortable. Amen. Because when you get out away from, <laughs> the pool's over there. Yeah, let's get to the pool. Amen. Have you ever been so close to water in a dry season where you could smell it? You go down, down to, the, to the ocean in the, uh, in the summertime, it's real hot and dry. You get out of the vehicle, and usually a lot of times we'll pull down by the beach. And they always want me to, but I'm Come on, Dad, just let us see the ocean. He said, I can smell it already. I can feel it. I can smell it. Because when you get close to it, amen, you can smell it. You can feel it. Amen. I believe when he started getting close to that water that there's a little bit more hope that sprung up on the inside of him. Amen. I can smell it. I can hear I can hear the water. I can I can feel the water. I can smell the water. Amen. The closer he got, amen, to the miracle, the closer he got to the place where he's supposed to be, it became glaringly clear to him that's where he needed to go. Amen. I, I want to tell you this morning, I know that the things that sometimes God asks us to do maybe don't line up with our way of thinking or how we feel about things, but I want to tell you you, you need to adopt God's value system and what's important to him and keep walking in the direction that God is pulling you to get to the place uh, that it, do the things he's asking you to do and there will be an impact on your life uh, that you never thought possible because the miracle is in the obedience to his word when he got to the first time in his life he was seeing. Can you imagine for the first time in his life he's seeing there's God. Now to, to us that don't mean much because we see it every day. And the things we see every day we don't really appreciate take them for granted. 
Amen. But can you imagine that new life that this guy began to see? For the first time, I'm going to be able to look at my parents. For the first time, I'm going to see how the flowers look. I know how they smell, but now I can see how they look. Come on. For the first time, I'm seeing things in a different light. I'm seeing things I've never seen before. I'm knowing things that I've never known before. He stepped away from that pool with faith, after putting faith in God and doing what God asked him to do. A different person. Amen. Everybody knew this guy, that he was born blind. Everybody knew him. The Pharisees began to get upset. Well, how, how is it that, that you see now? You couldn't see before. How, how is it that you see? told me to go wash in a pool of Siloam. And when I did it, I came for sin. Told the story. Don't be telling anybody about this, they said. So they go to his parents and they say, is this your son? And is it true that he was born blind? He says, they said, we know that this is our son. And that he was born blind. But we don't know come on, how he came to be able to see. In fact, what they're saying was, we know not, he says. We know not of, of how it happened. All we know is that it happened. Because the operation of God don't make any sense to mankind. Amen. It's only through the Spirit of God that we can know the things that be of God. Come on, somebody. They had no answer. I don't know. I know it's my son. I know he was born blind. But all I know now is he can see. And they started charging the parents. And the parents are like, hey, man, he's of age. Ask him. Right? Let him speak for himself. So they called him back. He's like, they're saying, okay, this guy... He don't observe the Sabbath day the way we observe it. And so he can't be of God. So he's a sinner. He's like, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. He's like, how can a man do the things that he does and not be pleasing to God? He's like, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. All I know is I was blind. And now I see. Come on. I don't know. I don't really under. I don't know. He told me, he put spit on my eyes, told me to go wash in the pool of Siloam. I did it and I came forth seeing. Everything else, all this other stuff that you're trying to figure out, I don't, I don't know the answer to. But all I know is I was blind and I see. I was lost and now I'm found. I know that faith in God works even though I don't understand the concepts. Sometimes stand with me all around the building. I preached longer than I thought I would. Sorry for that.
you see now? How is it that you now see? If you ask anybody their relationship with God, how, how they got over the things, the things that hindered them, the things that were destroying their life, it was the process of the faith and putting faith in God's word and doing what God said. Not resisting the hand of God and the hand of protection, the hand of correction, but humbling themselves and allowing the perfect law of liberty to guide their steps and to show them who they were. The process of doing what the word of God has revealed to them has changed them. guy in the Bible by the name of Naaman. Naaman was a great man. The Bible says he was, a, he was the leader of the army of Syria. He was, he was second in command to the, to the king of Syria. Very prominent, powerful, respected man. The Bible says that but Naaman was a leper. You see, it looked good on the outside. Because when he put his armor on and when he left the house, everything looked like it was a-okay. But there was something going on in Naaman's life that nobody else knew about. He was a leper. He had leprosy. Leprosy was a very contagious disease. Amen. When you contracted leprosy, you were isolated. You weren't allowed to be around the population. You weren't allowed. The only people you were allowed to be around was other lepers. So Naaman had an issue in his life that he was hiding. You know, we hide it as long as we can. We hide it till it can't be hidden anymore because leprosy is the type of disease. It's not one that stops on its own and it's progressive. It grows. It gets worse. It's a type of sin in the Bible. They, the Bible compares it to sin because it starts out small and it's like leprosy. It grows. Leprosy numbs the central nervous system. You begin to lose feeling. Begin to lose feeling in your extremities, your fingers, nose, ears, toes. And they can't feel them. They can't feel their fingers. They begin to, to rub their fingers until their fingers begin to fall apart and come off. Because they can't feel. They begin to lose parts of their body that... It's not long before leprosy reveals itself. You can't hide it for very long. Naaman had leprosy. He hid it for a while. But there come a moment when he couldn't hide it anymore. The time has come. I can't heal this myself. If I don't do something, it's going to destroy my whole life. And there was a little maid girl that was living in his house. She was a Hebrew. She had become a captive to the Syrians in some battle or something. And she's living in the house of Naaman. 
she sees the issue in Naaman's life. And she says, there's a prophet in Israel that if you ask of him, he'll come and give you a word that'll heal you. He waits, he's like, all right, send word. Have him come. The Bible says that the prophet called for Naaman so Naaman went with his entourage. Imagine riding up, riding up to, to the prophet's home, little humble cottage in the woods. That's the way I picture it. And Elisha tells his servant, Gehazi, he says, go out and tell Naaman to go to the Jordan River and dip seven times and you'll be healed. And so Naaman looks at the servant and he hears what he has to say. And he's like, he's not even going to come out and talk to me. He sent a servant to me. Some of us want a word directly from God. But every Sunday he's trying to speak to you through his servant. Come on, Lord, give me a word. How about listening to the preaching? Come on, do what you're supposed to do, what God's pulling on you to do. Amen. He's not even going to come out and talk to me. Don't he know who I am? He's like, I ain't doing that. There's, there's rivers in, in Syria that are way better than the Jordan River, cleaner for sure. What he's saying is, I'll do it my way, but God's way is asking too much. I'll dip in the in, in the rivers that are in my homeland, but the dip in your river, that dirty old Jordan River, there's no way. And he's like, I'm not doing it. He turns around, rides away. They get a little distance. One of his servants comes up to him. He said, sir, can I say something? He's like, if he would have come out, if he would ask you to do some great thing, you'd have done it because you you want to be healed. But if you don't do this, there's one thing that does not change. You still have leprosy. And as that began to set settle in his mind. Because ultimately it means death. Sickness and death, dying. It began to settle in the mind of Naaman. And he said, take me to the Jordan River. Got to the Jordan River. Took off his outer shell of clothes. Got in the river, water and began to dip himself. down on the seventh time and came back up, the Bible says that he was clean. He was whole. His skin was like that of a baby. Fresh and clean and pure. Cleansed of all the leprosy on his body. Why? Because
because he put faith in the word that was spoken. Faith in the operation of God is what brings salvation. We can't get to God ourselves. We can't do it our own way. Amen. The Bible says to repent and to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the way to salvation. There is no other way. If you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you are resisting the hand and the counsel of God in your life. Let me just teach you for a minute. John chapter 7. I'm almost done. We're going to pray. I want you to see this. Verses 29 through 30. Let me just give you, tell you what's happening here. Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. He says, what cometh forth you out to see? A reed shaken in the wind, right? You come out to see John, I'll tell you, he's greater than a prophet, right? He begins to talk about the ministry of John the Baptist and how that John is baptizing in the Jordan, the baptism of repentance. And the Bible says in verse 29, And all the people that heard him, talking about Jesus, it's Luke, I'm sorry. Don't line up. I need you to see. And all the people that heard him, talking about Jesus, talking about John the Baptist, his baptism and all the people that heard him and the pub, the publicans justified God they justified God and the word that Jesus was speaking being baptized with the baptism of John they justified God by being baptized doing what God had, was telling them to do how many know John the Baptist's ministry was of God he was preparing a way in the wilderness coming before Jesus and preparing the parts of men. Somebody say amen. But the Pharisees, this is so good, and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. So, if I choose not to follow the commandment of the Lord and how what God said and I don't continue steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and what they taught I am rejecting the counsel of God in my life I'm dictating what I want to do and what I don't want to do and that will not lead you to healing and that will not lead you to salvation so when Peter stood up and preached on the day of Pentecost and they said men and brethren what shall we do they were pricked in their hearts he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's to you. Somebody say, it's to you. 
amen, I don't have the right to, to dictate what I want to follow and what I don't. If I do, I'm rejecting the counsel of God and the word of God for my life. And that will not save me and it will not heal me. And the fact still stands that I still have leprosy. Come on, we got to do it God's way. Somebody say, I'm going to do it God's way. Lift your hands to the Lord right now and resign and resolve your hearts to do it God's way. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord today. Is there anybody in the building that would say this morning, I want God's word for my life. Come on, come down to the front. I want God's word for my life. I'm going to do it God's way. I want to fulfill the word of God for my life. I want healing for my mind, healing for my spirit, healing for my body, healing for my marriage, healing for my family, healing for my community. Come on, I want to obey God's word for my life. I'm telling you, obedience to God's word will always produce the fruit of healing, salvation in our lives. Come on, church. Come on, saints. Respond to the word of God today. Let the spirit and the bride say, come. Come on, in the name of Jesus. God's speaking. God's calling. God's trying to heal. He's trying to change you. He's trying to bring deliverance to your life. Don't resist the hand of God, but respond to it. Come on, respond to it. Lord, my heart is open.
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.